Who's your favorite superhero? Black Panther? Batman? Wonder Woman? Well, today I want to tell you a story about a real one. No, this person doesn't have superpowers, but he devised a plan to save not only his family, but his shipmates and their families. I'm going to take you on an adventure like no other as we explore Robert Smalls, a black man who escaped the bondage of slavery by selling himself to freedom. Let's go explore. Hi kids, it's your host, Dr. Shannon, and I want to welcome you back to the Explore Black History on the Go podcast. Adults, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the free learner's vocabulary guide for your child at exploreblackhistory.com. Now, let's get to the amazing life of Robert Smalls, who I think is the ultimate superhero. In 1839, Robert Smalls was born into slavery in Beaufort, South Carolina. His mother worked as a domestic servant in the owner's house, also known as the slave master. Because Robert got to stay with her as a boy a little longer than most children who are born into slavery, she worried he didn't understand his true condition as an enslaved boy. He was already upset that he couldn't go to school like the white children. So she had him sent out to the field where the other enslaved blacks worked all day and were cruelly whipped when the overseers thought they were not working hard enough so he could see the true horrors of slavery. But this did not make Robert know his place like his mother hoped it would. Rather, it made him even more discontent, rebellious, and defiant against the chains of slavery. He would often get into trouble and placed in jail. Even as a young boy, Robert had freedom on his mind. By the time he was a young teenager, he was sent to Charleston to be hired out for work. He had different small jobs, but one that would prove beneficial was his work around the harbor and on ships. He would assist in sailing of the ships in and out of the Charleston Harbor. Now, when he worked, the money he earned was not his. It was sent back to his owner. Robert's owner would allow him to keep $1 out of the money he earned for the week. Can you imagine working eight, nine, 10 hour days, 40 to 50, 60 hours a week only to receive $1? Yeah, Robert had freedom on his mind. While working in Charleston, he met his wife named Hannah, who worked at a hotel. She was also enslaved. Though they received permission to live together, they were not free. They had to report to their owners, do whatever work they were hired out to do, and hand over 90% of their earnings. Their lives were not their own. Robert knew at any moment his wife and children could be sold away from him. It was an unbearable thought, and there would be nothing he could do about it. As an enslaved person, he had no rights, but he was determined to change their situation. He asked Hannah's owner if he could purchase his family. The owner said, sure, for $800. $800. 
Remember how much money Robert received a week? Only $1. $800 was really another way of the owner telling Robert, no, you can't buy your wife and children's freedom. They will be my slaves forever. But Robert was determined to change their situation. And he had an entrepreneurial mindset. He took that $1 and bought fruit, candy, tobacco, and sold them on the harbor. Remember, this was the 1800s. So items like those cost one cent, five cents, 10 cents. He was able to make a profit and save $100. Yeah, Robert had freedom on his mind. In 1861, when the Civil War began, Robert was 22 years old. Now, the Civil War was a war over slavery. Some say it was fought over states' rights. Yes, the right for Southern states to keep the institution of slavery and expand it. The South, where Robert lived, was represented by the Confederate Army. They wanted to keep slavery, the right to own Black people, treat them inhumanely, and make them work for free while gaining all the profits from their labor. The North, represented by the Union Army and the United States President Abraham Lincoln, was against slavery and wanted it to end. So a war was declared. Now Robert was forced to work on the CSS Planner, a battleship that carried ammunition and guns for the Confederate Army. Robert knew the Charleston waters well, and he was skilled at selling them. He was a resource to the ship. So much, in fact, that he gained the trust of the white captain who was in charge of the ship and the other two white officers on board. So even though the officers were supposed to never leave the ship unguarded, they did. In their minds, Robert was just a slave who would only do what he was told. But Robert had freedom on his mind, and this time, an idea for an escape plan. It would be dangerous a long shot, and they could all end up dying. But freedom was worth the risk. The freedom of his family was worth the risk. This is what Robert did. First, he went to the other enslaved Black men who worked with him on the ship and told them his plan. It went something like this. Guys, I have a plan for us to escape. When the officers get off the ship tonight and go into town, we're going to hijack this ship and sail it across the harbor to the Union Army. Say what? Man, are you crazy? No, I'm not. I planned it out a hundred different ways in my head. We can do this. I know every move the captain makes and I can get us past the night guard and all the checkpoints. I will put on the captain's hat and stand just like him. It will be nighttime, so the guard will not be able to see clearly enough to know I am not the captain. We're also the same size and frame. Trust me, I will be able to pass for the captain. But what about our families? I have a wife and a kid. I don't want to leave them. So do I. We're taking them with us. Say what? Man, now I know you're crazy. First you say you're going to hijack this Confederate ship which is full of ammunition, once the captain and his crew leaves. Then you said, you're going to pretend to be the captain to get us past the guard and all the checkpoints. And now you're saying, we're going to pick up our families too? You are out of your mind. That's exactly what I'm saying. 
When we get our leave, I want every man to go home and tell his family they need to be ready at the appointed time to meet us further up the Cooper River by the other steamership without drawing suspicion or saying a word to anyone. Our lives depend on absolute secrecy. Man, even if we can get past the guard and pick up our families, what is going to keep the Union Army from shooting at us when they see a big ammunition ship with a huge Confederate flag coming straight towards them? They'll think we're the enemy and fire their cannons right away. We will be toast. Like I said, I thought this out. My wife is bringing white bed sheets. We will tie them together. When we approach the Union's Army's blockade, we will take down the Confederate flag and hoist up the white sheets to show we are surrendering. All the men were quiet for a while. So are you with me or not? Because I'm doing this tonight, with or without you. Freedom has been on my mind for a long time, and now is my chance, our chance to be free. I will not allow my wife and children to be sold away from me. I will no longer be bound as a slave where my life and my hard-earned money are not my own. Two of the men decided it was too risky for them, but the other three men decided to join Robert on his bold and courageous plan to escape. And so it was to be. That night at 2 a.m., when all was quiet and most folks were sleeping, Robert put on the captain's straw hat, took control of the ship, and sailed for the Union Army blockade. The little crew, made up of the men who agreed to escape with him, hoisted up both the South Carolina flag and the Confederate flag. They sailed past the general's headquarters like they had so many times before, and stopped at the rendezvous point to pick up their families. When they approached a pier where their families waited, the boat moved so slowly up to it, they didn't have to throw a plank or tie a rope. Now, the CSS planter had a total of 17 people, men, women, and children on board, with Robert selling them towards freedom. Next, they had to pass the guard at Fort Sumter, Everyone but Robert was fearful that they would be caught there. The fort's wall stood 50 feet tall. They had cannons that could shoot at the ship from above. The women and children were crying and praying below deck. The men went about their duties, but with shaky knees. Robert remained steadfast and resolute. He pulled the cord to blow the ship's whistle, like the captain always did. Two long blows and one short one. It was the signal that allowed them to pass. Robert did the hand gestures and folded his arms just like the captain. The early morning made it easy for him to pass as a white man with his face covered by the captain's straw hat he wore. And the guard waved him through. Robert could all but taste freedom. But they still had one more step, getting to the Union Army without being fired upon. As they made it through the Charleston River, Robert directed the ship with ease and power. Soon, they were approaching the Union forces. As they headed towards the Union blockade, they quickly took down the Confederate flag and raised the white sheets his wife brought aboard. And thank goodness they did, because written accounts state that the Union officers were getting ready to fire when one officer said, I see something that looks like a white flag. Don't fire. It seems like they are surrendering. 
The union crew waited anxiously to see who was coming forward, but they only saw black men aboard the ship. No Confederate captains, no white people on board. It was reported that Robert Small said, Good morning, sir. I brought you some of the United States guns, sir. They had made it. All those times Robert had freedom on his mind, he could finally taste it. He and his family were free. His shipmates and their families were free. The audacious and brilliant escape plan worked. The Union commanding officer wrote that Robert, the intelligent slave and pilot of the boat, who performed this bold feat so skillfully, informed me of the capture of the Sumter gun, presuming it would be a matter of interest. He is superior to any who have come into our lines, intelligent as many of them have been. Robert was praised as a hero and went on to do even greater things. Not only was he financially rewarded, but he lobbied to be able to enlist and fight in the Union military and then helped to recruit over 5,000 Black soldiers. He returned to the CSS planter as the pilot and was part of the blockading squadron. Later, he became the captain of his own vessel, the first African-American to serve as captain unofficially in the Navy in 1863. But it gets better. He was an activist who fought for the rights of Black people in the South, leading one of the first boycotts to integrate transportation. And he became involved in politics and had an impressive political career. He was elected into Congress in 1874 and served a total of five terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Say what? Robert Smalls is a superhero. He didn't have supernatural powers that enabled him to defeat his enemy. No, he had something better. Intelligence, grit, leadership, courage, resilience, and boldness to fight for what he knew to be right. He put his life on the line for others, and he saved many people. Heck, he even helped to win a war. He is a great hero who should be celebrated today. There are so many heroes in our history, Black men and women who fought for their freedom and the freedom of others. I look forward to sharing their stories as you explore Black history with me.